0: Coming up on Put It on the Board, it is Episode 17 in our Major League Baseball Draft Preview. We have James Fox of Future Sox joining the show for a great conversation about the Major League Baseball First Year Player Draft, which is coming this Sunday, and what direction we think the White Sox are going to go. James is one of the best follows on White Sox Twitter and one of the people I know that is diving into these prospects year in and year out. He's as knowledgeable as anybody in the draft game. So some great insights. If you're looking forward to following the draft, if you're trying to get your mind off of the current White Sox team and have a little bit of hope for the future, this is the podcast for you. Great stuff from James. So without further ado, Let's put some crooked numbers up on that board. You put it on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's interview time. It's Major League Baseball draft preview time, and it is James Fox time. He's the senior editor and co-host for Future Sox, a writer at Sox Machine, Uh, and at James Fox nine one seven is his Twitter handle. James, I got to say Noah and I are a fan of the content. Uh, we have been silent followers and, uh, appreciate everything that you're doing on White Sox Twitter for a while now. So it's a pleasure to get to talk to you, do some draft preview with you and thank you uh, for taking the time to hop on with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me fellas.
0: This is, uh, this is kind of your thing here. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you just said to us <laughs> yeah. off, off uh, before I hit record here that draft, you can talk draft forever and, you know, not a ton going right with the White Sox Major League team right now. So, uh, yeah, this is your, your area of expertise. Kind of explain, uh, you know, what do you do? Like, wh- why is this such an area of expertise for you? How much time do you really spend every year getting to know these prospects?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it is like a niche topic, right. It's like not something that a lot of people care about. You know, I know, you know, the NFL draft is the most popular and, you know, I love that too. I've just like always kind of liked drafts, like even as a kid, like being in school, like, you know, you're supposed to be doing math or whatever, and you're doing like an NFL mock draft or whatever. (laughs) You know, once I started like getting more seriously into blogging with the Sox, you know, I I guess like I gravitated toward this stuff and like international market type stuff, just because like I was kind of felt like nerdy and interested in it. And there's like nobody that like does it really. Right. So it was like one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I guess like I could be one of the people that does this because like, I just like put time into it and understand it. So it was like, this year is, is a little bit, it's super interesting because of like, I think this is the best draft I've covered for sure. Um, Just because of 2020, and we can get into that a little bit if you want, but there's just like more players in this draft than there are typically um, in other ones that are good because there was a five round draft in 2020. And, you know, the gist of it's basically like a lot of high schoolers didn't sign, they went to school. So now the college class is loaded, Mm. plus there's high schoolers. So it's pretty good. So, yeah, I would say like as soon as last year's draft ended, like I kind of started looking into like guys for this year. And then like, you know, they did the lottery thing, which I found interesting. Um, you know, it's just like one way for organizations to add talent every year. And it's obviously baseball, right? So it's like three years away or whatever. And you don't know that anybody's necessarily right. I really pay attention to just like trends and strategy and things along those lines that we can get into, you know, like with like the pirates, basically, it's like a good example, like with what I think might happen Sunday, yeah. One of the things with like casual fans, like, and I was like this too, for a while, it's like, you look in the board and there's like this glaring red light, right. That's like, Oh, why don't you take this top guy that was like the fifth rated player or whatever. And Ugh. in baseball, you don't know that, you know, that guy might have a hard commitment to college or something. And he's like, not going to get taken. Whereas like, you know, in the NFL or the NBA, it's like obvious, right. It's like, Oh, Mel Kuyper's top guys, there, take taken right. And baseball is like a little bit different. So that's just like one of the kind of weird things about it.
0: Drafts in general are such an interesting thing and and really a cool thing. Like you said, like kind of a niche that you've gotten into, but there's an allure to it because of the hope aspect behind it, whether it's a draft, whether it's an international prospect, we can be miserable White Sox fans sitting here in the middle of uh, July. Now, wow. Time has gone by quick this summer. We're in the middle of July, just dealing with a team that's not fun to watch and still have hope and excitement and look towards the future with the draft, which is why I think a lot of sports fans enjoy this time of year for whatever their favorite team is. Uh, And James, you kind of talked about my first kind of question off the top here is really just the theme of this draft. When I look at this draft and I look at some of the players, I see a hard seven really as who I feel like are the top six or seven names, but I don't remember a draft in recent memory that has felt this wide open in the middle of the first round and the White Sox are sitting right at 15. So I guess, what do you think is the story of this draft? Cause you hear a lot about, you know, oh, good prep talent in this draft, good college talent. What is the story of this class and what is unique about this particular year? So I guess like the,
1: the over <clears throat> theme would be, I think just like the amount of college bats, um, just because kind of like what I mentioned, like a lot of these kids like went to school. Like, um, you know, up at the the top of the board, Dylan Cruz didn't get the the bonus that he wanted in 2020. He pulled himself out of the draft. He went to LSU. Kyle Teal was another guy, a high school catcher. He's now at Virginia. He's one of the top players in the class too. Um, you know, and then you have, like, your your others, um, Wyatt Lankford wasn't really, I don't think he was ever going to sign out of high school. But, like, you know, your Matt Shaw and Tommy Troy and, like, all these guys, like, I remember being in, like, the Jim Callis Top 200, right, in 2020. And they just, like, went to school. So I think that's the big thing. And then, obviously, like, the star-studded um, College World Series that just happened with LSU, like yeah. those two players rumored at the top. And the, you know, the weird thing about that is Paul Skeens for the last two years played at Air Force. And he was like a, like a DH first baseman that also pitched. And he was going to be like a mid first rounder. And everybody was talking Chase Dolander, Chase Dolander of Tennessee. He's like this knockout ace. He's going to be a top five pick, whatever. And then him and Skeens like switched roles. And Skeens is like ridiculous, right? Like Skeens is, you know, they say the best probably starting pitching prospect out of the draft, like since Strasburg. And I think he's better than that. Like Garrett Cole, Strasburg, that type of guy. Yeah. Like ridiculous. Like he, I think Carlos Colazzo of baseball America said that he's going to be like, other than Yuri Perez, he's the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Like as soon as he gets taken.
0: So this is really interesting too, because right at the top of the draft, I think felt for weeks, like a lock, like It was Dylan Cruz is going to go number one. Paul Skeens is going to go number two. You'll probably have Max Clark and Wyatt Langford there shortly after. I don't know if this is, you know, smokescreen, if this is just more information coming out ahead of the draft, but we've got a lot of different rumors now. This is Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game predicted Max Clark to go number one. Uh, As recently as this week said, this is the buzz that it's either Langford or... Clark at one, Dylan Cruz he has going number three to Detroit. From what you know or have gathered, or just your vibe surrounding this draft, is there a world that Dylan Cruz does not go number one to the Pittsburgh Pirates? Because I, I'm praying he does not wind up in Detroit. Yeah,
1: so like, I don't think Dylan Cruz is going to go number one. I really don't. I
0: haven't. I
1: like haven't in a while, just because. So I think like the biggest bonus ever, and I should know this. I think it's Spencer Torkelson. It's like 8.4 million, something in that range. Mm. So this year, the bonus pools really went up. So the Pirates bonus pool number at number one is $9.7 million. So nobody's getting full slot, 9.7. Nobody's doing that. That's like 1.2 million more than the record, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of weird talking about agents because like these kids don't really have agents. They have advisors, but I mean- their their agents, um, basically. And Scott Boris represents Dylan Cruz. And there's all sorts of rumors that Dylan Cruz doesn't really want to go to Pittsburgh. And they've thrown out a $10 million number. And <clears throat> so, like, the Max Clark thing has been out there. But it's been out there for, like, weeks. I think Kylie McDaniel in his first draft, ES- in his first mock at ESPN, put it out there and basically said Max Clark is the cut option. Hmm. Because, like, if you're Max Clark, like, if he doesn't go one... Like, he could fall to, like, six or seven. And then, you know, you're, looking, pool, at, pool you're territory looking at... pool Yeah, it, right? like, you're looking at six million, six and a half million. So, like, if you're Max Clark, like, you might tell the Pirates, hey, take me at one, I'll take seven and a half million dollars. Then you're the Pirates, you're saving 2.2 2 million, you pick again at 42, essentially what happens is, like, you come up with a deal with a player, you know, you can pay $4 million for a guy at pick 42 and basically get another, like, top 15 talent. So... Look, I'd, if it's Cruz, <clears throat> I guess nobody should be surprised, um, but I, I don't think that it's necessarily likely at this point. And then, look, he could go two, but I think people seem to think that Skeens, if he doesn't go one, is going two to the Nationals. Um, so, you know, like if Skeens and, – and, look, I think there's a chance that Pittsburgh still takes Skeens. I know that Ben Charrington has hasn't never taken a pitcher that high, I don't think – And there's like a lot of people who just wouldn't take pitching that high. But one of the points that I've tried to make is, and I was one of these people, I would always like defer to the position player, but I think Skeens is so good that if you're Pittsburgh, like when else are you going to get a guy this good, right? Like they cost $30 million a year in free agency. You're never doing that. Right. So like, if this guy could be in your rotation next year, I totally get it. And then, you know, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but, like, bringing it kind of full circle to Wyatt Lankford, like, there's people that don't think Wyatt Lankford is that far away from Dylan Cruz. And, like, if those players are similar, right, and I think, like, the way to look at it is, like, if Dylan Cruz is the 10th prospect in baseball right away, and Wyatt Lankford's, like, the 18th best prospect in baseball you know, and Wyatt Langford's gonna sign for eight and a half million and you don't have to deal with Scott Boris, you know, and you get to pocket the other one point two to spend later. That's I could word. totally I huh. could totally see them doing that. I I personally think if it's not Skeens, it's more likely to be Wyatt Langford than Clark, just because like Wyatt Langford is on their timeline. Like Wyatt Langford could be, you know, part of this young mix in Pittsburgh within the next 18 months, whereas you're waiting for Max Clark. So, so you know, like it might it might be Skeens. But at this point, I think in my mock for Sunday, if nothing changes, um, I think I'm going to put Wyatt Langford one.
2: And the other thing you have to consider is the team. I mean, the Pirates have a history of doing this kind of thing. They did it with Henry Davis a few years ago, where he wasn't necessarily considered the best player available, but he was close and he took less money and was willing to take less money. So it's a small market team that is going to try and stock as many talented players as they can, not necessarily going for the best player, but trying to get more players with the money that they have. So It's
0: literally the same situation, similar situation. Nobody had Henry Davis going one, really, until the draft. Five minutes, five
2: minutes beforehand.
0: Right, five minutes beforehand, Pittsburgh says, hey, you know what, this kid will take less money, let's do that. And I mean, that worked out fine for them.
1: So the one difference is there wasn't like a consensus number one guy that year. It was like Marcelo Meyer, and he was a high school shortstop, whatever. And, look, the Pirates have, like, done well. I don't know if you've looked back, like, that draft, like, they signed three other, like, potential first-round type guys, and they're all pretty good. So, like, that worked out. This year, right, you run the risk of passing on Dylan Cruz or or uh, Paul Skeens, right? So, like, it is a little bit different, which is why, like, if they do this, they truly feel like, there's not a huge difference between Dylan Cruz and and Wyatt Lankford. Yeah. I I think like I love prep players. When we get to the White Sox part, like <laughs> like I'm gonna, you know, push prep guys because I would go that route. Taking Max Clark at number one is too cute in a draft that's this good.
0: I, I yeah I think so too.
2: <laughs> so James, uh, let's get into the White Sox a little bit here. Um, well, a lot, but <laughs> let's start to get into the White Sox a little bit. Um, One of the unfortunate things about finishing 500 last year is the White Sox are picking in the middle of the first round. They don't really get to play here in the top five and the top 10 with some of these guys that are considered the top tier talents. Um, The names that I have down right now as top 10 locks, I have Cruz, Langford, Skeens, Max Clark, Walker Jenkins, Rhett Lauder, Kyle Teal. I have those guys as very, very likely going in the top 10 won't be around for the White Sox. Are there any other names that you know of that you would say there's a very, very good chance they're top 10 or that they're definitely not going to be on the board when the White Sox come up at 15?
1: No, I think those se- you gave me seven, I think that's pretty Perfect. good. Um, Perfect, you know? that,
0: I was hoping <laughs> you wouldn't say any more names, James. I've got guys, yeah,
1: so I'm so, um, look, I'm not anticipating Colin Houck being on the board. But I mean, he could be, you know, like there's like a strong connection with him and the Diamondbacks, Um, you know, so any number of those college guys that you didn't mention will be gone, right? We just like don't know who they are. Yeah. And then I I guess like (sighs) Noble Myers probably gone.
0: That's fine. That's fine. But I don't know. I'll come out and ask you straight up. I'll I'll ask you Braden Taylor because he's my guy in this draft. I'm sitting here praying that he's there at 15 and I, he was in that area a couple weeks ago. Recent mocks have him sliding into the back end of the top 10. So I what are yeah, your so thoughts on Braden Taylor?
1: Yeah, that I mean, that would be fine. Like if they're going to go with like a college corner, I would prefer that just because of like the left-handed bat. Um, I think he's an option. I I don't know that he's definitely gone, but there is for sure. Like people have mentioned like him as high as six to Oakland. I've seen you're saying there's a chance and that's all I need. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's definitely a chance there because like, like, so like, I think the chase Dolander thing is interesting and you didn't ask about that, but like, like I, I would have lumped him in with, you know, the other guys. Um, Yeah. But now it kind of seems like, like he could slip. um, I think. Eric Longenhang hanging a fangraphs today like mocked him to the White Sox at 15. So you're saying like, you would so, you would have had him
0: in that top 10 lock but now maybe not? Even a week ago.
1: Like if like when you just asked me like like seven names, right? I would have probably thrown Dolander in there too. Yeah. But right now just from reading like people that know way more than me, like that doesn't seem to be the case. Like he could fall. I think the White Sox end his fall. I've been saying they're taking a bat but that's mostly because the pitching class, like, isn't that great? Like, I think they would take Chase Dolander and figure out the rest later, um, personally. But, yeah, Braden Taylor's an option. So, I don't know if you've, like, listened to our our show lately, but we had Josh Nelson on our last time, and we kind of talked about, so the Fayetteville Regional, um, the White Sox brought, like, a lot of, like, main decision makers to this Mm. thing. And I feel like since that happened, they've been mocked with, like, all the players from there. So Miami was there, TCU was there, and Arizona was there. Seen a and lot of Johandy I, the, Morales ex, exactly. Up. And and there's a lot of links to him from twenty twenty. They've just he's just the guy that they kind of have liked since then. And then Chase Davis, like the outfielders kind of like popped lately from Arizona. And then Braden Taylor. All three of those guys played in that regional. The Sox had a bunch of people there. So you know, like your Keith Laws of the World and stuff. It's like throw a dart and pick a guy, right? But They've been mocked with all three of those players, um, and it seems like Taylor's the only one that might be gone. The other two are probably there. Like I would yeah, think, that's what's Davis interesting. and Morales are both on the board.
0: That's what's interesting about this group, though. I mean, that goes back to what I was mentioning earlier. Somebody like Braden Taylor, you've seen from fifteen all the way up until six, and there's really this feeling of of a lot of guys that you don't. Colin Houck, I've seen the White Sox passing on at fifteen. While you think that you'd be very surprised if he wasn't, if he was still on the board when they come up to pick. So there, there's a lot of uncertainty, but when it gets to their pick, so I, I'm, I'm with you. I think they go bat, but I think they go bat because I don't think there's a pitcher that blows them away. I think if Do- Dolander's on the board, they'll go there. But the, like the range that they're in is right where all of those prep hitters and some of the back end college hitters are. You, James, uh, I'll take from what you said earlier, want them to go high school. What direction do you think they will go if it is a bat at 15?
1: Yeah, so my guess is unless like – like, so if Hauk is there, I wouldn't be surprised if they went that route. But like all indications seem to be – and we kind of talked about strategy, right? It It really seems like there's a group of college players that they would be happy with that they want to cut. So we were talking about Pittsburgh, right? So the White Sox slot at fifteen is like four and a half million. They might take the college guy that they like that'll take the like smallest bonus. So I think
0: like you know that's if where can... Morales could come into play. Is right, a guy who's yeah. projected or, in the twenties that or even they Davis. Money. Like if
1: if you can if you can get a guy there for four million or under four million and pocket the five hundred K because so there's like a bunch of prep pitching that they're interested in in rounds two through five. Now they're not going to do it in two, three, four and five. Right. But my guess is early on here, pick 52 is going to be a high school pitcher. There's a kid, Blake Walters out of Muhammad, Illinois, um, down by Champaign. The rumored number there is 2.2 million. They could easily get to that number, but it's a lot easier if you cut in round one. So, you know, it's a little risky, like you better be right. And I trust Mike Shirley, and we're never going to find this out, but, Like my biggest thing with this pick is I just like hope they let Mike Shirley make it because I think he's the best scout in the room, but the white Sox have a history of like, not being on the same page in the draft room. And
0: well, you know, last time they did last time they did that, it was Garrett crochet to Jared Kelly. And uh, you know, neither one of those guys has really hit the ceiling that I think the white Sox were hoping for when they made those picks. But at the time I was all aboard the Jared Kelly train. I I mean, he was one of the top prep arms in the class (laughs) and being able to get him, uh, second round, what felt like a win. So a way that they could get creative for sure. If that if it does come down to one of those high or a college talents, right? Like you said, go with somebody, maybe a little bit further down on the big board, uh, but make sure that you can get a top high school talent or a younger talent later.
1: But it is hard, like picking 15, like you guys mentioned, they can come in here with a great plan and think they're getting college guy. Like say it's chase Davis, right? Like, we're taking Chase Davis at 15, he's cutting, boom, 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 we lined up our next picks, you know, and then Kyle Teal's on the board. I think mean, he's not going to be, but I'm just saying, like, who knows, right? That's the thing about yeah. picking 15 is, like, somebody you didn't foresee falls to you, like, you might have to pivot and just take a guy. And I don't know who that is, like, maybe they love Jacob Gonzalez, or there's one of these other college guys that they're just not anticipating, like, it could be just you know, there's a guy there that they weren't thinking and they just take him. That's kind of what the Dolander thing would be.
2: So my next question has a couple of parts. Um, Do you think that the White Sox have like a set plan? Do you think that their roster construction is going to play a factor? Um, I know that there's a lot of uncertainties about the big league roster in particular, like where they might need help, especially after the trade deadline. I'm not even sure that they know at this point where they're going to need help, Um, but also looking at the farm system. I mean, their top prospect, Colson Montgomery, he's a shortstop. A lot of these names that we've been talking about that they've been linked to are infielders. They are shortstops. Is that something that's going to be a factor? Like, are they going to, are they just going to stockpile talent and make the decision on where to play everybody later? Or are they going to look to draft somebody at a position where they don't necessarily have someone waiting
1: so, no, you don't really think about it. I mean, they always say they take the best player available, right? But, like, we don't know. Like, we don't know. Like, so they say that it's the best player. My thing is, like, strategy might come into play as far as, like, college or prep. Like, they might love a prep guy, but they'd rather, like, cut a deal with a college guy, right? So, like, you know, there's a chance that there's a prep guy that's there, but they, you know, if you can get the college guy for 3900000 million, they'd rather do that than the prep guy at 4.5 even if they think the prep guy is better so that could play into it but no i don't really they're they're not going to look at the deadline or anything like that or care that's more for rounds like you know like the top couple rounds you have to kind of take the best player you can with your bonus pool And then later on you do start adding. Like if you're like, hey, we need left-handed pitching, like you might add a few guys or catchers weak, right? You might add a couple catchers, like stuff like that. Is that doesn't
0: usually take shape till later. Is that a money strategy versus a roster strategy? Because this is something that I've I've kind of contended over the last few weeks here. I think the White Sox, as they approach the deadline, make trades for prospects as they approach this draft. Mm -hmm. If Jerry Reinsdorf is not on board with the full rebuild. If he wants to kind of patchwork this thing, I think they should be more inclined to go for older talent closer to big league ready. I, I don't think Jerry or the Sox have the patience right now to wait four or five years on another prep infielder. So uh, like, well, they might.
1: What, so here's the, so they might in the first round, but then, yeah, so, uh, then you that, better, that's then part you of what better, I'm asking, though. Like then you better be not... loading up on college pitching like after that. Like so they like insulated themselves last year. You get Garrett Kroos or uh, Noah Schultz, who looks awesome, but he's not going to help you anytime soon. Yeah. And then they very much insulated themselves after with a Peyton Paulette and a Jonathan Cannon and even like Tyler Schweitzer, guys like that who are quicker moving college type guys. Um, that's where like, yeah, you really can't go prep 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 right and then you have like nobody in the high minors we'll see man once they once they start making trades like how many close to the majors pitchers are they going to try to get because they don't have they don't have any like that's the thing right pitcher
0: pitcher pitcher like you need guys that can come up and actually play for the big league club
1: so I don't think it'll be a factor it would worry me a little in like a better pitching class Like, if there were more college pitchers to take, right? Mm. Could you convince me that Mike Shirley and his staff would recommend a bat and Rick Hahn would run a college pitcher up the board because they need one? Sure. But there's really just not one to take. And so, Hurston Waldrop of Florida could be there, but he's like a heavy splitter usage. I've kind of been told that, like, they they wouldn't take him. I think just because it's like not a profile that they're going to take. I don't know if you've watched him much, but yeah. so, he, so he's pretty nasty. And I think if he went to like a raise or somebody, you could like figure out a role for him. And But he doesn't throw, I don't think he throws enough strikes to start. And it's a heavy splitter. And Sox don't really take splitter guys. So that at least guys that throw it that often. So I'd be pretty surprised by that. Um, so that's where like, we, you know, we keep coming back to like them taking a bat. And then at that point, the only question is, do they cut with a college guy? Does a college guy that, you know we think should go higher falls to them or do they take a prep guy
0: so what do you think their strategy should be from a just like a a philosophy standpoint because there are people who believe that you go into a draft you should take a swing you should try and hit a home run there are people who go in and say you take the best player available there are people who think you should play it safe, take a prospect that you know will be impactful and be a big leaguer at some point. If you're the White Sox, what is your strategy heading into this draft?
1: So to me, like, I take the highest upside prep guy, on prep position player on the board at 15 that Mike Shirley likes, um, regardless of what – So the home run swing, pick. like
0: you're, you're – Yeah, going... at
1: 15, and then what I would do – then I would just take college pitching throughout day two. Because hmm. I, I don't think it's like – like, I think you can find – players right like can you find aces not necessarily but i mean like jonathan cannon is going to pitch in the futures game sun saturday yeah he's gonna he's gonna be a number four starter in the big leagues like you can load up on jonathan cannons after taking your big shot in round one the thing that they've done that's risky is taken like high school pitching in the second and third because like the college pitching there is much safer like if you're gonna take the home run swing on a high on a prep pitcher right? Like a Noah Schultz or like if they took Noble Meyer at 15, like, okay. Like that, I like, I understand that the thing that's tough is like what, what they actually might do. Like you take a Blake Walters and $2.2 million, like it kind of has to work and it takes forever. Right. So that's like a little bit questionable to me. So they might actually do the opposite of what I would do. Um,
0: College bat, high school pitching.
1: (laughs) Right. Whereas like I would go, high school bat college pitching probably. Um, but I mean, like, I like. I think Mike Shirley is good and knows what he's doing, but it's the White Sox, right? So, <laughs>
0: That's you know, an important like, yeah. disclaimer on anything yeah. you talk about that makes sense.
2: So let's say they do go with your strategy. They They go for a high upside high school player in the first round. Can you give us a couple names of people that could realistically be on the board that you really like?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think I've said Hulk. I think is gonna, I would imagine, will be gone. But there's Arjun Namala of that's Strawberry my guy, Strawberry crust, Florida. So he's like had a lot of interest. So some have said that he's like falling now, all of a sudden. He's fascinating. Like, we don't to know me. what that means, but so he had a killer workout with the Cubs, apparently. So I think he's an option there at thirteen. Like Blake Mitchell is a guy out of Texas that the the Sox have been linked to, but like prep catchers are super risky with him the bat plays everywhere so it's like not as risky i guess but Mm. you know everybody always kind of talks about prep pitching and how scary it is like look at the track record of prep catchers like they never make it to the big leagues as catchers so um and then for me a guy that i think is very similar to colson montgomery is uh walker martin out of colorado Mm. the thing is though like Colorado high school baseball is worse than like Indiana high school baseball. And he's, you know, he's another one of these guys that played quarter. He's a quarterback recruit and he's 19, which is, you know, a thing that we dealt with, with Colson Montgomery that, you know, you kind of talk about it all the time. Like Brett Beatty was one of these guys, right? So there's a lot of data teams like the twins and some of these other teams that just kind of like, they look at heavy college stats guys. um, And their data models, like they don't like 19 year old high schoolers. Um, you know, they just don't. So that's like a weird demographic. You're old. Like if you're a 19 year old high schooler, you're old, which makes sense. Right. But if they go to college and they're sophomore eligible in two years, they're, you know, 21 year old sophomore eligible, they're young. So it's very strange. So that's just like a small, small tangent, but Walker Martin, I think is interesting too.
0: Arjun Namala is the I, I'm fascinated by him, and I and I want him because I find him so fascinating. I like he's a cricket player whose parents did not know how co- that you could get collegiate scholarships for college baseball until Arjun got one to Florida State, and they said, "Oh, apparently this is a thing that can happen." And now he's a couple a couple weeks away from signing for you know, a couple million dollars and becoming a major league baseball, first round pick the first ever player drafted out of strawberry crust high school in Florida. So uh, to me, he is the you're he's 17. You talk, you talk to old prospects. He's the opposite. He's 17 until December he's going yeah. to be 17 playing in the minor leagues later this summer and this fall, which is wild that, uh, you know, that just not something you see every day. Um, I know there was a lot of hype early on uh, Aiden Miller oh, as yeah. a potential Sox guy. I'm cold on Aiden Miller. I, I kind of told Noah about this a few weeks ago that I, I don't love the fact that he could potentially be one, a, a left side of the infield guy that has to move to first base, especially when the bat doesn't project as a first base type of bat. Do you have to, I mean, you've mentioned Hauk a lot. You've mentioned a few of these other guys. Do you, is Aiden Miller still on your radar at all?
1: Yeah, because my, well, my thing is like if you're gonna take a college corner, like I'm fine like taking a high school corner. But you're right, like there there are teams that think he ends up at first base, but like there you are better teams hit that, like but, a first baseman, right? Like. There, but there are teams that think that like Yandy Morales ends up at first base too, you know. So I mean, like what you like, what are we doing here? So and I think like the the ham eight bone thing. Like, I think Aiden Miller's a little underrated because of the injury. Like, he was a lock, like, top 10 guy, and then he got hurt. Um, and it's like, you know, the hammy, like, it, it heals. Like, it's he's probably fine now. Um, there are some that don't like the swing. So, yeah, he's a guy that could fall. He's another 19-year-old. And like we've said, like, or like like I've said, there's a lot of teams that just won't even take a high schooler that's 19. Automatically off the board. Like, it's, like, not even an option. So,
0: what is so you you have guys that you like, guys that you don't like. Uh, what are the like? Obviously, duh. But what are the uh what are the qualities that you look at in these prospects when you're assessing like who you love, who's on your you know do not draft list, etc. Why is that? You know, what qualities stick out to you? Is it their power? Is it the you know projection, the frame? Is it the walk rate? What is most important in James Fox's prospect? analysis
1: well so i think as like a Sox fan it's like that's why like some of the names we're hearing like scare me a little bit so like you know just like throughout this process i think i've been kind of hard on yo-yo morales Mm. um just because like so look this is a guy with massive raw power that he gets to in games and you know he hit 400 with wood bats over the summer that's like stuff that they like he's gotten like castellanos comps because some think that like he might end up moving from third and it is like big power, right? But he doesn't control the strike zone. Um, he chases a ton, and and that's just like stuff that like the White Sox aren't good at fixing, right? Like yeah. if ball, like if the Orioles took Johandy Morales, I'd be very confident that he's like going to be a big leaguer. But if the White Sox do it, like it kind of changes my tune a little bit. So like, there's one, like I think col- like corners that <clears throat> that don't control the strike zone that don't project for massive power, like you've said, right? It's, like, always kind of been my Gavin Sheets thing. Like, Gavin Sheets has to mash. Otherwise, he's kind of useless, and we've we've seen that now. Yeah. If, you, if there's a chance that you might end up at first, like, you're, you have to rake. Um, so that's one of my things. And then guys that don't impact the baseball, like Nick Madrigal taught a lot of people some lessons, I think. Um, and I was never huge on that pick in the first place because I just, like – didn't think that like the profile even the way it was described which he's much worse than that obviously we've seen but like it's just like not that impactful so i mean like maybe with the way the game is trending like the stuff that they've made more important like an enrique bradfield is somebody who like i just like have a tough time getting excited about because it's like yeah it's 80 grade speed and great defense and center right but he just like doesn't hit the ball that hard so like, I mean, like what kind of impact are we talking about here? Really? You know, you're like drafting a guy for, for speed and defense. And then like Jacob Wilson is another guy. That's Jack Wilson's son. He's only struck out five times this year. I hate hearing that. Like, I don't care. I, about that. I, I saw I, that I,
0: stat and I'm like, it's a positive <laughs> stat, but, it, but it's, it's not. It, yeah. It it's like Nick Madrigal.
1: A, it's like Juan Pierre, right. Where it's like, he just makes his outs differently. So instead of striking out, like he grounds out to second. Right. So, he does have like a high average he gets a ton of hits but he doesn't impact the baseball so a guy like that is like yay quick to the majors safe but like i don't know i think there's more upside than that and then there are guys that you have to worry about like like jacob gonzalez is huge for like the data teams because they they plug the numbers into their computer and they see like all of the you know the college stats but there's a lot of people that think the swing isn't that great. Um, he's not an athlete and it's just one of those things where like, you know, with aluminum bats, like he, he mashes like in college and he's not going to hit in the pros, you know? He's also fascinating
0: because he's gotten worse as his college career has gone on. I mean, he's been consistently very good every year, but it's not every day that you see a you know, a 21 year old draft prospect coming out whose best collegiate season was a true freshman playing in the sec. Like he's going to, he's going to play
1: he's going to play second and he might be a 30 runner yeah you know like yeah, it's, it's a problem <laughs> you know so you know like that profile like guys that are definitely second baseman you probably don't want to take in the first right like I, I think if you just take shortstops and center fielders all the time like it's tough to argue with
0: well half of them are going to be left fielders right fielders right, right. second baseman and third baseman so you'll
2: you'll fill out a, most of a lineup so Uh, well, you kind of answered my next question. Uh, I was just going to ask about your do not draft list. You kind of gave yeah. us some names there. Um, I guess we can just ask one name that you would be absolutely thrilled. And I'm I'm talking realistic. Like, obviously you can say, oh yeah, Dylan Cruz falls to the socks. You know, yeah. that's yeah. not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. But Max, next, Max Clark. Next yeah, that would be yeah. good. Yeah. Just maybe one name that is projected to go right around the Sox range that you would absolutely love. And then another name that is projected to go right around that range that you would absolutely hate.
1: Yeah. So a few we've talked about them. I think Hauk or Namala, I'd be over the moon. That would be great. Like it's like the strategy that I would employ if one of those guys is there take another prep hitter that could play on the left side of the infield with Montgomery, um, you know, here sometime in the near future. Um, and then on the college side, like you mentioned him, like if they took Brayden Taylor, I'm good with that. Like it's a, co- it is a college corner, right? So yeah, I'm like not thrilled that it's a third baseman. He just, but, it,
0: but He does all the things like, that you listed. I mean, he controls right, the strike yeah. zone. He impacts the baseball. He gets on base. He does a little, he runs pretty well. Like he does everything above average. And, and those are the not, types of guys that translate well. And
1: he's not somebody that's going to have to move to first. So like, even if like the, the power doesn't come as much as, like, is projected. Like, he'll still be at third, which is fine. So, like, him there, I think, would be good. Um, So, look, like, I I think Yoandi Morales could be the pick Sunday. So, you know, like, I'm going to root for him, like, if that happens. But it's, like, not something that I'm going to be thrilled about. If it's, like, significantly under slot, I'll feel better about it. You know, if like I find out that that's the guy who Mike Shirley thinks is the best guy, I'll feel better about it. Yeah, but it's just not a profile that I love with this team because I don't trust them.
0: Does it and hurt? Then, and then that I mentioned his, it. Like... Does it hurt that his nickname is Yo-Yo and he plays third base? <laughs>
1: so I was thinking about this. So he's also Cuban, right? From Miami, a Yo-Yo where...
0: Mo that plays third base. Yeah, uh... <laughs> like they
1: love they love Miami players like. The, yeah. who's who's the uh, Pedro Grifols' buddy, the coach well, on the team? Uh, well,
0: Mike Tozar. I, I know Romy they, Gonzalez went to yeah so well, so all
1: these Miami. all these guys hit in Mike Tozar's house. like, so if over the next forty eight hours we find out about Yo-yo Morales' hitting sessions in Mike Tozar's garage, like he's probably the pick, right? So, you know, like like I, I can I understand why because there is like massive power potential at third. Um, and he's supposed to be just a awesome kid. Like I, you know, talk to some White Sox prospects that know him. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, I'd be like a little underwhelmed with that, depending on how much the price is. Um, and then kind of what we talked about, I think Bradfield or Wilson, I'd be Neh. like, that would just not, I would not be like enthused by something like that. Hmm. Um, but then obviously like anything else, like it's pro- cause even like, you know, like, I guess like Hurston Waldrop, I, I just like feel very confident that they're not going to do that. So I, yeah. that's like not even really something that's on my radar. I guess like all of the guys that they might take, you know, and then there's a whole bunch of guys that like, we haven't talked about that. Like they love Tommy Troy or Matt Shaw. Cool. Fine. Well, like, I hate whatever. Tommy you know Troy. I mean? like, I'm
0: going to get that. I think he's yeah, even more, he's even more Nick Madrigal than J- Jacob Wilson is in my, like, I like I Tommy Troy's projection to me. I'm, I'm not a Tommy Troy guy, but I, I have heard, you know, through the grapevine being my co-host here that you're a big Matt Shaw guy. So can tell me a little bit about Matt Shaw. I got to be honest. He's not somebody that's been on my radar in the pre-draft process. So
1: it's Maryland. It's probably second base, which I kind of just said, like, you don't want definite second baseman. Right. But I think he's going to hit. He's another guy that I think the data teams love. So I kind of don't really expect Matt Shaw to be on the board, but I do think he's just a quick mover you know, that could be your second baseman within 18 months and yeah. he's going to hit for power. And, you know, the White Sox haven't had like three war on a second base since like, Oh six. So, you know, like something like that, I would be fine with. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, cause at least there's thump in the bat. It's not just like a slappy slap it to the left side, run to first guy. Right. Like they just, that, and then the, just the 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 corner thing like the morales thing scares me just because it's like another corner with this team right like it's whereas if he's not third then it's another first base dh yeah and and brayden taylor's a little bit different because it's a lefty corner
0: yeah and he's a better athlete and i think if he moves he moves to corner outfield instead of first base
1: i think he's played some second at tcu
0: which is fine with that like i Second base is a little undervalued at the major league level. Cause it's not a premium position, but if you can get a second baseman that can impact the ball, Braden Taylor does at the plate, I'm more than fine with that. I'm sick of it being a black hole for the white Sox. So, you know, that's fine by me. I- I'm cool with that.
2: Well, I think it is that time, James, we've heard about a lot of names, a lot of possibilities, different routes, the white Sox can go. How about we get your official prediction? Uh, where are the no, White Sox going you, with the I'm 15th gonna pick? We're all oh, going to okay. have to go. You're all going to so, do it?
0: I, I think so. You, you might go first. Should I, should I go I, last?
2: You probably should because
0: Noah and I will copy you. So, no, I'll I'll have you go first. You give your prediction. 15 overall. Rob Manfred comes to the podium and probably mispronounces some poor kid's name. But who's he trying to say when he lists off the White Sox
2: pick? See, I want to get crazy and I want to say that Chase Dolander falls to 15, but I don't think I'm that bold. Do um, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Why not? I I've, I've been picking the safe pick for for a few years now. I'm just going to do it. I think I think something crazy happens. Chase Dolander falls, the White Sox see him at 15 and they can't resist. So I I'll be the the one guy that says the White Sox take a pitcher.
0: Well, unfortunately, while I am, uh, you know, would love Braden Taylor, I don't think he'll be there. I don't think Arjun Namala will be there. I don't think Colin Houck will be there. And I'm going to say that the White Sox are going to take Jacob Gonzalez out of uh, Mississippi at 15 overall. uh, And hopefully he can play not second base and he can actually drive the ball out of the ballpark. But uh, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario. I'm not in love with Jacob Gonzalez, but... I think there are worse options on the board, aka Tommy Troy. We're looking at you. Please, no, thank you.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll go, I'll say that Dolander goes off the board and Braden Taylor gets picked like a lot higher than people expect. And you want to do your cut, you know, to get your prep pitching or whatever later. Um, I can't come on a podcast and predict Yohandi Morales because I, I don't feel like it. So I will say that <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> you know, I, I will, I will say that they take Arizona outfielder, Chase Davis at 15.
0: That's interesting. I haven't heard that name that like really in, in any of these mocks. So you say Chase Davis, and then you already have your guy set up for round two.
1: Yeah. Blake Walters, I think is, but look like you can't, Look, somebody could take him before 52. Like, you're picking at 52.
0: Yeah, you can't so bank usually, on that.
1: Like, usually you, you make a deal. Like, the Jared Kelly thing, it was kind of like you pushed him to your spot because nobody was willing to give him $3 million. You offer him $3 million and then, you know, you essentially, like, shut him down, basically. Like, teams do that. Like, last year it happened with, uh, with, like, Brock Porter was the Boris client that Kumar Rocker went three, I think, to Texas. And then they got Brock Porter in round four because he's also a Boris client. So you know, teams essentially do that. Like, you know, the agents like, Oh, he's not going to sign. So don't take him type thing. And then you move on to your next guy and you could slide a guy down. It happens pretty frequently. Um, So we'll see, you know? Yeah.
0: Chase Davis, the prediction for James. Uh, I think that's about all we got here of this pre-draft coverage here. I- I'm pumped. I'm pumped to have something to be excited about. I'm pumped to check uh, you out, James, real quick. You, you told us about your show So where can everybody watch you on the night of the draft uh, if they want to hang out with James Fox and and hear some analysis about what they're watching?
1: Yeah. So I think the easiest way to find it, um, it's probably like, I'll tweet it from my account, like just before six o'clock, we'll tweet it on the future socks account, but anybody that follows like the socks machine feed, it's going to be on the same like socks machine live feed that Josh and Jim host on like weekly. Um, So it'll be right on there. Same thing. Like a, Stream yard via YouTube. We'll be on a couple hours. I think we're gonna we're gonna go on at six. Um and we'll carry it through the White Sox pick, but I would imagine we'll get three or four picks past the White Sox kind of talking about um them after they take a player that we don't like. So you know, <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting.
0: There you go. Uh, James Fox 917 is the Twitter handle. Uh, Check him out. Future Sox, Sox Machine, one of the best follows uh, on White Sox Twitter and on this uh, media, the whole media world that we got going on with the White Sox right now. If you're looking to dive into content, make sure you check him out. James, thank you so much for the time. Uh, This was great stuff. I I feel like I learned a lot. So that's, that's what we're looking for.
1: All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.